my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Give me some sort of something. Give me something jazzy to introduce this thing. We are the dorkiest people ever. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, four-fifths of Color Me Bad, my brother Mike. I don't uh, I don't recall. What was our big hit again, Color Me Bad? I wanna sex you. Ah, yes. I think that was it. I a think classic. that was them. It's been it's been a long time, but I think that was a classic 90s Man. boy band. I kind of We were yeah. great. <laughs> we were great. <laughs> When I ate the other, when I when I ate three of the other four members of Color Me Bad, uh, it was a tragic, dark time. Check out the uh, behind the music, Color Me Bad. Yeah, it's a it's a real half uh, of it's about how much hair he has lost since those days because you can tell like Color Me Bald changed up here. (laughs) Color Me Bald is is the band that they they reformed under that name. So uh, yes, uh, thank you so much, Mike, for all the R and B hits you gave us in the nineties. On this week's episode, we're taking a deep dive into Royals, the Royals minor league system in an attempt to understand the future of the organization. The Royals have made a lot of moves this offseason to make the major league club better, but do they have the talent and, and player development necessary to build uh, a, the, on their robust offseason and keep this train moving? Uh, we'll provide the official Royals Weekly Top 30 prospect list, which we slaved over. We just we really labored over this this top 30 prospect list. It definitely wasn't me just sort of thinking like, who belongs in the top 30? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll discuss that. We'll discuss the pitching and the player the hitting player development. And then we'll do some New Year's resolutions for some of the system's best prospects. But first, a reminder to follow us on all the social medias. We're putting out a ton of content on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, Instagram. Mike's on Threads. Mike's how's, how's Threads going? Threads Revolution. It's going great. We got over a hundred followers now. I get I get multiple followers every day. It's like the Wild West, but it's getting more and more people. So it's it's now like I'm an OG, a Roy, I'm a Royals OG on Threads now. So yes, yes. Uh, you are one of the founders of threads. Uh, what do we go? We'll call it Royals threads. You're one of the yeah. founders of Royals threads. <laughs> so that's good. Um, yeah. Make sure you're following us on there. Make sure you're leaving us reviews and, and ratings on Apple podcasts and all those sorts of things. Spotify. We're having a great time trying to build an audience here and it's going pretty well. We have some big announcements on expansion uh, in the next month or so. We'll see. We're not sure exactly. I'm not sure exactly what we can announce right now and what we can't. Got to talk to our legal team uh, and find that out. But uh, that's me. I'm the legal team. Mike, yeah, we're going to sober Mike up and then we'll ask him some questions about what we can announce. Uh, but uh, we do have some big announcements coming in the next month or so. So make sure you're tuning in. Make sure you're listening in uh, all the places you possibly can. Uh, I also want to mention that Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to be active, work out. New Year, same mom. I caught her twisting rebar into Christmas ornaments just the other day. 
Yeah. The excellent specialized care she got it all in physical therapy had her back to being active in no time. Her Madonna and Child ornament, though, was breathtaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It looks Michelangelo plus plus. <laughs> all in physical therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lisa Matone, Tommy Frevert, a former Arena League football player, uh, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit, so get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All In Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-PT.com. This offseason has seen more attention given to the Royals' major league team as they add veteran talent through free agency to bolster the 2024 squad. And let's be honest, convince voters to buy them, give them a billion dollars. I think that's another big motivating factor there. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But the long-term health of a team is truly measured by its farm system. And sadly, most public commentators see a bleak prognosis for the Royals farm system. Mike, before we dig into our top 30, which we're going to give here in a second, what are your thoughts on the Royals farm system as a whole and how it's perceived? Well, I, I tend to agree with the perceivers, if you will. Okay, the people who comment on on rank systems and that sort of thing, Baseball America, uh, MLB Pipeline, um, does Fangraphs do a a systems ranking? I can't remember if they do or not, Mm -hmm. but um, I tend to agree with those people. I I think the talent level is lacking, and I've said that several times on this uh, podcast. I I, people will talk about how the hitters are further behind than the pitchers. I disagree with that. I still think the pitching is bad. There may be a little bit more depth now in pitching, I think, in the minor league system than what we've seen in the past. But the top end talent, I don't know that it's there. And there's not a lot that's close to major league ready either. So um, I I agree. I tend to agree with those perceivers. Um, Lack of advanced pitching, lack of advanced hitting right now. I'd still call it a bottom seven system. But I would say that there are some indicators that the development side may be improving. And that's reason for hope. You just have to now get the talent into that that fits that development. And then you'll get into one of those really good systems again. Yeah, I, I sort of agree, sort of disagree with you. I think the system lacks a clear number one and maybe lacks top end talent, especially on the hitting side, I think. But I also think that it has more depth than people realize. Anytime your system lacks those sort of big name star power that some other systems have guys who look like they might be all stars at the MLB level. Then in my mind, it tends to get underrated by prognosticators and commentators and all that sort of thing. And the Royals essentially lack any surefire top end talent. Like it had when Bobby Witt Jr. Was in the system. When Bobby Witt Jr. Was in the system, everybody knew that the Royals had at least one guy who could be a superstar. Okay. And they knew they had a couple other times that guys at that time who might be pretty good. Now it looks like there's nobody in this system who's like a surefire, going to be a superstar, looks like he has that kind of potential kind of guy. In fact, you know, they don't even have maybe that second tier guy where you're like, okay, this guy looks like he could be an all-star. A lot of their guys are more high variance than that. Or they look more like guys like Nick Lofton or Tyler Gentry who look like, okay, maybe they're not, they're more borderline everyday players slash good role players than anything else. And so because a lot of their, their system has a lot of those types of guys, a lot of guys who could be back-end starters or, or good relievers or something like that, then it's going to get rated less high because it's missing that star power. But it does have quite a bit of those guys. It has a lot of guys who could be, you know, maybe fringe everyday players, maybe even with the potential to be really good everyday players, but not a ton of guys who have that superstar 
capability or that superstar potential. And as a result, yeah, it probably is a bottom 10 system. If I, but I think it's closer to 20 than it is to 30, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's why that's why I put bottom seven. Yeah, I, I think I think it's interesting the ways in which some of those guys who represent like high variants could also have very high ceilings. And we'll talk about some of those guys here in a second. But uh, let's dig into that top 30. That way we can have something to reference. Mike, you got something to say? Yeah, I just wanted to throw one one more thing in there. You know, if you are a high A or double A player who's a fringe major leaguer, to me, you're just an, you're a jag. You're just another guy. Okay, there's a million fringe major leaguers and a million fringe everyday guys who may be possible role players in double A and triple A. So that doesn't that doesn't move the needle a whole lot for me. And I'm not saying you're going to have guys that are superstars just up and down your your organization, but if, if you're looking at a guy and you're, if you're not looking at a handful of guys that you think can be for sure, everyday major leaguers or all-stars, then you have a bad system. Let's talk about, I mean, you have a bad system because you get years and years to collect this talent and, and bring it up through minor league baseball and the Royals just haven't done it. And so that's why they are where they are. And so, yeah, that that's why I rate them probably a little bit lower than you do and lower than some do. I'm looking for guys that can be that are sure, like not maybe not surefire because it's minor league baseball, but are guys you're going, yep, if he's if he develops like he should, he's an everyday guy and he's going to be a good everyday guy. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's also important to note that they have graduated a ton of players over the last year and a half, two years, right? So Bobby Wood Jr., MJ Melendez, yeah. Vinny Pasquantino, like they got a lot of guys who aren't on our prospect list right now because they have so much major league time. You know, even guys like Alec Martian and Hill Zerpa, they're no longer on our list because of how much time they've got. <laughs> and let's be honest, a lot of those guys should be in minor league baseball still. Right. A lot Absolutely. of those guys should should never have gone up to major league baseball. Um, and so, yes, if you think of if you think of Michael Garcia and you think of MJ Melendez and you think of maybe Kyle Isbell and, and a couple of these other guys, if they were still in triple A or double A, how would our system look? If Angel Zerpa hadn't been rushed up and was just pitching his way through double A now, how would they look? The system would look greatly different. I agree with that. Yeah. So let's dig into this top 30 so that we have something to reference so that we're actually talking about players. This is going to be a test of Mike's reading ability. So <laughs> look out. Uh, we'll start with guys <laughs> who just missed the list. And then uh, and this was tough for, to, to put together, actually, because, I, like I said, they have a whole bunch of guys who probably fit in the back half of a team's top, top 30, any team's top 30 for most teams. And so we had to sort of leave some guys off who ooh, it was really tough to distinguish between them and guys in the back half of the Royals top 30. Mike, please give us the guys who just missed out on top 30 status in the Royal system. Read those for us, please. Okay, yeah. Just missed out here our honorable mention. Uh, Hunter Pattison, starting pitcher. I believe when we drafted him, he was a going through Tommy John, or just had Tommy John. So he missed most of last year, but an intriguing left-handed pitcher uh, somewhere out of Florida, if I remember right. Um, Luca Tresh, catcher. Uh, struggled in double-A last year. Had some success in 2022. If I remember right, he was a free agent in that weird draft in 2020. It only had a few rounds in it. Is that right? I don't know. I'd take a lot of pills. I, th I think so, if I remember right. He was actually one of the top free agents, if I remember right. Then Ben Sears, the relief, uh, a command first reliever, uh, just missed the top 30. Tyler Tolbert, a guy that I really like and a guy that uh, is more of a utility guy, very athletic, not a lot of power, but he, he got a long look in spring training last year. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see his trajectory. Will Klein, the, the flamethrowing reliever that was just added to the 40-man uh, Mark and I at some point are going to have a little discussion on here about what we think his role might be moving forward in uh, the bullpen or maybe not in the bullpen this year. A guy that I am absolutely just enthralled with, 
Hero Wyatt. Hero Wyatt, starting pitching, high school starting pitching prospect we just drafted this year. Why am I enthralled with him? He's got a real loose arm, a wipeout slider. He reminds me very much of like a Tristan McKenzie, Cleveland kind of pitching prospect guy. I'm I'm excited for Hunter or for Hero Wyatt. Another guy I'm excited for is Hunter Owen. These are both guys from last year's draft that I was excited about. He's a big body lefty out of uh, Vanderbilt. Had some injury concerns in college, but did have some very big showings. Uh, kind of inconsistent, but very, very uh, strong showings for Hunter Owen. Tyson uh, Guerrera, starting pitcher. Big strikeout numbers, but didn't translate very well to double A, so he'll get another shot there this year. And then Shondrick Oduber, 19-year-old starting pitcher in the Dominican Summer League. Uh, very raw talent, but great uh, strikeout to walk numbers. And we'll see what he looks like when he gets over here for uh, you know some of that full season ball. Those are our honorable mentions. Of that group, I think you really nailed on the head with Hero Wyatt. He's the one I'm really excited for as well. We're going to talk more about him later, but a guy who hasn't pitched yet in pro ball, still really young, probably only 19 years old, uh, but lots of upside there. His frame is not as big as a Tristan McKenzie, but he... Yeah, he's a lot shorter. But you're right. Like <laughs> McKenzie, a really loose arm. Like McKenzie, uh, I don't know if McKenzie has a killer slider, but Wyatt's, we've seen video of that slider. It looks like a Bugs Bunny pitch. It is insane how much movement and velocity he gets on that slider. It's crazy. And he looks like a guy similar to Blake Walters. I think I think Wyatt's a Northeastern guy, like from the Northeastern part of the United States, who could be overlooked a little bit because yep. maybe he was a late riser, cold weather state guy. I'm really interested in him. I'm really interested to see Hunter Owen pitch as well. Didn't get any time last year after maybe some injury concern at Vanderbilt. Uh, but, you know, a guy who some people were saying has some of the best stuff in the, in the uh, draft and, and was really an effective pitcher for Vanderbilt. So I'd love to see him uh, next year as well. So yeah, those are some guys who just missed out. Don't be surprised if some of them end up on the mid season. If we did a mid season, I'm not sure we're going to, but if we do a mid season top 30, don't be surprised if some of those guys end up on there because uh, a lot of potential in some of those guys uh, on that just missed honorable mention list. I'm going to read uh, number 30 through 20 for us because uh, you want to hear a different voice than Mike's, I'm sure. And of course I made the document I'm reading from extra tiny, so I can't see it. Okay, here we go. Uh, our top 30, uh, begins with number 30, Andrew Hoffman, a 23 year old starting pitcher who pitched in double A and triple A last time guy who made big changes to his delivery during the season last year. The overall numbers weren't very good, but his strikeout to walk numbers did get better, uh, during last year. And it's, he's an intriguing guy to see what those changes will, will create in him. Number 29, uh, a guy named Junior Marte. Now, you might remember the Royals had another prospect named Junior Marte a few years ago. This is not the same Junior Marte. I think this is a, I think he was a Royals prospect. This was a different, this is a different Junior Marte. He's only 20 years old. He's a starting pitcher. He was in the complex league last year. Big, athletic looking dude. Uh, good, good strikeout to walk ratios. We'll see if he makes it to uh, Columbia this year and can provide some uh, interesting innings for them. At 28, we put the Royals rule five pick from this year, Matt Sauer, uh, at 28 on the list. He's a starting pitcher in the past. He'll relieve this year at the MLB level, of course, because he has to stick with the MLB team. But a big, strong, physical guy, good slider, doesn't have a ton of velo on his fastball, but it's still pretty effective. And so he's an interesting guy looking forward both as a reliever this year and maybe as a starting pitching prospect in the future. Uh, number 27, we put Spencer Nivens, a 22-year-old uh, outfielder. He, he played in rookie ball in low A last year, walked more than he struck out. He's a left-handed hitter, corner outfield type. Didn't have great overall numbers, but he did have 
uh, really good secondary numbers. And it could be that he's just actually too advanced of a hitter for low A. A lot of low A guys have trouble throwing strikes. And if you're a guy like Spencer Nivens and you're not going to swing at bad pitches, low A can be a somewhat complicated level for you. Uh, number 26, we put Steven Zoback. 22-year-old starting prospect, maybe relief prospect. We'll see if he ends up becoming a reliever. He pitched at low A and high A last year. He's a right-handed pitcher. Came out of the same draft as um, Mason Barnett and and those guys. Sandlin. Yeah, David Sandlin was another one in that draft. You're right. He's an interesting guy because not a ton was expected of him, but he really showed improved stuff upon landing in major league or uh, professional baseball and just continued to have success. He limits walks. He has average to slightly above average stuff, but it's the fact that he doesn't walk a ton of guys and that he still has pretty decent strikeout numbers that makes him look like he could be a viable player moving forward. Number 25, Eric Torres, a 19-year-old outfielder. from the He played in the Dominican Summer League last year. He's a right-handed hitter, good overall numbers, good strikeout and walk numbers. Not a ton of power in his profile right now, and he's not a huge dude. I think he's only like 5'10", but if he can stick in center field, not a ton of power requirements from him, and he still has plenty of time to add power at only 19 years old. A really good-looking prospect from the uh, from Latin America. Number 24, Trevor Warner. I know Mike's a big fan of his. Uh, 22-year-old third baseman. Played in rookie level and, and A-ball last year. This dude probably had a better offensive season than any Royals prospect last year. Completely exploded when he got to pro baseball. Power on top of power on top of power. It looks like a real pull-oriented power uh, right now. I think he pulled 50% of the balls he put in play last year. Uh, but a guy who is showing that he can take a walk. Uh, can limit strikeouts enough right now anyway, and has something that is prized in all prospects, and that's a powerful bat. And so that's good. Uh, Number 23, we have Jared Dickey, a 21-year-old left fielder or right fielder. He played in rookie ball and A ball last year. Left-handed hitter, another drafty from the class of of last year like Warner. Uh, Good strikeout and walk numbers from him as well. He has some power potential and some pop in that bat. Uh, He just needs to maybe get a little bit more loft consistently. Right now it's a very contact-oriented approach. It's a slasher's approach, and you'd kind of like Dickey to be a little more power-focused and have a power disposition up there at the plate. At 22, we have Carson Rockerfort. We have a little stretch of 2023 draftees right here. <laughs> Carson Rockerfort coming in just ahead of Jared Dickey, a 21-year-old center fielder, 2023 draftee. Again, rookie ball and A ball last year. He's a left-handed hitter, a really good defender in center field. Uh, last year, he another guy who can put the ball and play hard, had decent offensive numbers, but when he starts lofting the ball, he'll, he'll, he'll find a lot more success at the plate as well. So hopefully he can do that in 2024. At 2021, we're going to come in with uh, Joe Town's finest, Noah Cameron. Joe Town? Joe Town? Uh, uh, 23-year-old starting pitcher. Uh, from, he played in a, a, or Advanced A and Double A last year. A guy who was really mowing down Advanced A, just destroying Advanced A with really great secondary stuff, a low 90s fastball. He goes to Double A, and the stuff was not playing as well. The strikeouts dropped, the walks increased a little bit, and he started getting hit around a lot. We'll see if he can sort of recover, learn from last year, and provide some better performance as he repeats double A next year. And then rounding out our top 20, or our, our, our 20 through 30, uh, Samad the God Taylor, uh, a 25-year-old utility player, second base and outfield mostly, played in triple A and saw a little bit of major league time last year. He's athletic. He can do lots of things. He needs to learn to limit the amount he's swinging, the strikeouts as he moves to the major league. That will be the distinguishing factor for him. He'll be a major league player if he can limit that strikeout number and put more balls in play. 
Mike, what are your thoughts on that 20 through 30 for us for the Kansas City Royals? Well, I'm going to talk about two guys that I really like. I like Carson Rockefort because I feel like there's not a lot that you need to change with Carson Rockefort to make him a really solid everyday kind of guy because the defense is already there in center field. So Carson Rockefort, a couple of uh, uh, swing changes to a swing plane and things like that. Uh, and I think you're looking at a guy who's an everyday guy. And then Trevor Warner is extremely intriguing to me because when he when the Royals drafted him, I thought, man, here's an unathletic guy who they're going to try and get to play third base, although I did not see that sticking. And I honestly didn't think that he was going to have the the uh, bat-to-ball skills that he that he's shown so far. Now, the strikeouts are still kind of a little elevated, but he's walking a lot more than I thought, and I really did not see the power surge. And it really makes me, when I'm looking at this list, it makes me think, man, that Quad Cities team this year is going to be very interesting to watch because at some point you should have Rockefort and Werner both come through there. Carter Jensen will probably start there um, as well as some, some really intriguing pitching options. So, you know, if you're looking for who's the team to watch and the Royal, the Royals affiliate to watch this year, quad city might be the one. Cause those guys intrigue me uh, tremendously. I'm not as big on Spencer Nivens, by the way, as most people are. I'll just, I'll just put that out there as well. Yeah, with Werner, with Rockefort, with some of the pitchers they're going to have in Quad Cities, um, I think it, that will be a very, very interesting and exciting team to watch next year. Uh, Werner's a guy who, if if he continues to hit the way he does, he is going. He, he did last year. He's going to shoot up not just our board, everyone's board. Okay, because he showed that that thing, Mike. You always mention that the Royals are always going to have trouble s- signing power bats because power is so expensive buying buying them yeah. like on the free agent market and so to find a guy like him i don't even know what round he was taken in but it definitely wasn't the top three uh to find a guy like him later in the draft who's looking like he could have some serious power potential even if it is pull side power right now the dude hits the ball incredibly hard and i don't care if he's not like you know Scott Rowland over there at third base. If you hit the ball hard and you can control your strikeouts and take walks and things like that, you are going to find a place in Major League Baseball. Trevor Warner showed that he could do that last year. Now, it was against low-A competition, and I'll be interested to see how he does as the competition evolves. But, man, if he keeps it up, what a gem that the Royals found found later in the rounds because he is uh, putting bat to ball and crushing the crap out of it uh, last year. So hopefully that, that, that continues. Mike, j- give us our 20 through 10 players, please. Well, I'm going to go 19 through 10 because you screwed up and did number 20. Yes. Um, so Sorry. I will start with number 19, a guy that I really like and have liked since we drafted him out of, I want to say Arkansas or Alabama. I forget which one. Uh, Peyton Wilson's at number 19 for us, the 24-year-old second baseman slash outfielder. Finished up in A last year. He's a switch hitter, super athlete, can really run, can put a charge in the ball, although it's not as consistent as maybe you would like. Um, I really like him. I'm hoping that he can limit the strikeouts and, you know, really limit the swinging and and take more walks and become a a guy that finds a spot in major league baseball at some point. Uh, number 18, Anthony Veneciano, who was through three levels, double a triple a. And I think he even got, I don't know. Did he, did he ever get a start in major league baseball? I don't remember. Not as, I don't know if he got a start. He did only get like a couple of outings. Yeah. He threw a couple couple innings in major league baseball lefty, more of a, um, more of a spot lefty. I don't know that he's not a power arm or anything like that. He's got decent stuff, uh, but can he make his uh, mechanics, you know, consistent? Can he throw strikes consistently? He'll be an interesting one. If somebody goes down to see if they go to him this year, because he'll be in that triple a rotation probably to start the year 17, James MacArthur, a guy that we saw a lot last year, 
uh, relief pitcher, 27 year old. He'll start in the major league bullpen, probably assuming he doesn't get hurt or anything like that. Sinker slider combo who found some command and found some success uh, later in the year for the Royals. It'll be, you know, we talk about bullpens being volatile. We'll see if MacArthur can avoid that volatility. Another guy that was in the major league bullpen last year went from uh, high A to double A straight to major league baseball. That's, that's good indicator of poor pitching depth in your organization um, <laughs> was John, the whammer McMillan and, and McMillan had some outings that were really good. I remember that first outing that he had, it was like, man, he strikes guy out blowing pitches by people. Then he gives up a huge home run. And so, you know, big hard throwing righty with a killer uh, curveball. He he's he was injured late in 2023 and I'm not even do you did they ever say what it was? They they said it was like a forearm strain or forearm tightness or something like that. One of those things that makes okay. you think, "Oh no, I, is that is that Tommy John?" But it wasn't Tommy John. Yeah. They just let him rest and he, yeah. and he, I think he's back throwing again. So he's all right. Yeah. Well, that was always a mystery to me. Uh, that's at 16, John, the Wimmer McMillan at 15. We've got Javier Vaz, a guy I think just about everybody likes and is rooting for Uh 23 year old second baseman slash center fielder who ended the year in double a last year. Uh, very difficult to strike out Javier Vaz. He does not strike out very much. He does walk. He's a versatile defender, but he is powerless. He's not a big power guy. And so Javier Vaz, if he can hit the ball hard enough to, to get, you know, hits and consistent, uh, you know, some extra base hits. He'll be a major league guy at some point. Uh, 14 is Caden Wallace. And some of you might be surprised by that because that's a little lower than a lot of other places you're going to have him. He's a 22 year old third baseman ended at double a last year, right-handed hitter. He's a good defender at third, but the power hasn't materialized at third base just yet. And he still has a little bit of issues with the strikeout, although he did improve those a little bit in 2023. So it's a big year for Caden Wallace. We'll see what he can do at the double a level uh, starting out there. 13 is the Kansas City area's own Ben Kaderna, a 20-year-old starting pitcher, finished at high A last year. Um, projects as kind of a back-end workhorse type guy. I saw a fantastic comp for him the other day. Oh, somebody compared him to James Shields kind of at his peak. That, that was probably like Alex. Ceiling. Alex loves to compare him to was James Shields. Was it Alex? Shields? Okay. Yeah. Um, because he does throw a pretty decent uh, change-up already as well at times. Uh, it's just a little inconsistent. Um, he draws the weak contact. He's got a good, decent fastball, good changeup. Does miss a lot of bats, which you like to see, but he can uh, have out or stretches where he gets roughed up. So another big year for him. And he'll be another one in that, probably starting in that high A uh, rotation as well. Uh, number 12 is a guy that I've been very high on for a long time. Carter Jensen, another Kansas City kid. Catcher, uh, ended the year in high, or was in high A all last year, I believe. Left-handed hitter. Uh, he's been last year. He was kind of that true three outcomes guy. He had a lot of walks. He had a lot of strikeouts and then he didn't hit for quite as much power as Maybe you want to see he was hitting the ball hard. He always has, but they weren't leaving the park as much as you'd like for a guy like that. So I'm he's probably, and we'll talk about this more later. He's going to be one of my guys. I talk about most interested to see this year is Carter Jensen and his development. Another guy that, guy that you and I were high on and watched when we were in spring training last year. And I remember thinking, this guy's swing is terrible and he's going to be awful. And he went out and he actually had a pretty good year. Austin Charles, the 20-year-old shortstop slash third baseman who was in low A last year. He is gigantic. He's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, somewhere in that range. Uh, big athletic shortstop slash third baseman. He's got some pop in the bat. The bat path is flat. The swing is weird. 
and it'll be interesting to see how he continues to use that this year. Um, when I saw him, I was like, nope, this guy put him on the mound or something. But after seeing it work a little bit, I'm going to let him keep doing it and see what, uh, see what it turns out. Cause it's very interesting to watch. You're going to let him <laughs> your largesse. Well, no, like, I mean, I'm not like, you mean, you, yeah, are no. you, are you managing? Like, okay. I'm not going to tear into Austin Charles <laughs> because his swing is goofy looking. Mike is the new um, manager of quad cities. Everyone. <laughs> I'm extremely, I'm extremely intrigued by the guy now. You know, I was always intrigued by him because he was a two way guy and he, we knew he threw hard off the mound and he's a big athlete. And, you know, sometimes those big athletes turn into like Frank Thomas or, you know, you know, somebody awesome or Aaron judge or, you know, whatever. Um, but now I'm even more intrigued because when you and I watched him hit, tell me when you watched him hit in spring training, you thought, Oh, this guy's going to be great. I, th- I thought what I think when I see a lot of hitters, his age, which is the mechanics, they need adjustment. Like his swing is not very good. And what's weird is that's some of the easiest adjustments to make sometimes like swing mechanics aren't that tough to change for a guy who gets to work on his swing every single day. And so, you know, I wasn't too worried about the swing mechanics. You're right that he hits the ball really hard. Uh, He does need to loft that ball. The mechanics he needs, there are two elements to the mechanics that he needs to change. One, there's like a hitch in his swing. It's like, yes, there is not smooth at all. It's not smooth or it wasn't when we saw it. Right. And then, Two, there's another element where he needs to loft the ball more than he does, especially with that much power that he's got. He's really got to utilize it. Um, And so those are two things he'll be working on. You know, great potential in that guy, though, like a ton of potential for a dude that athletic, that strong, that big. You're excited to see where that where that might go. And that young, so really young for his level. So, Mike, was did you hit all of them? Did you go all the way down to 11? I can't. I did. Charles is 11. Okay, great. I want to I want to talk about the Caden Wallace thing so that I don't get a bunch of people coming after me. The Caden Wallace ranking is one of those things where it's like if he shows that he's got the power, then this ranking is bad, right? Like if he shows that the power will materialize, he'll shoot up the board. The problem is it hasn't materialized and if anything it looks like it's dissipated as he's tried to adjust to take fewer strikeouts. And so that worries me, right? He needs to be able to hit the ball for game power, not just hit the ball hard, which is another concern I have, but actually tap into that with game power by lofting it and hitting it hard and getting it out. Now, he has some advantages. He's relatively young. Remember, he was taken, I think, as a draft eligible sophomore. And so he is a little bit young for his sort of journey through pro ball, which is good. You know, maybe the power will come. I think he's a little bit tapped physically. But if he can find a way to access that power, if he can find a way to unlock it and keep the strikeouts under control, he's shooting up this board quite a bit because I like the defense. I, I think he can take a good plate appearance. It just, you cannot be a third baseman and not have power, right? I know Michael Garcia is doing it right now, sort of, but he's not our ideal for what a third baseman would be, right? He's actually a shortstop playing third. And so if Caden Wallace wants to be a third baseman, wants to have success moving forward, he's got to hit for power. I'm a little bit worried it's not going to come, but if it does, then this ranking was wrong. And I'll admit that, right? I'll say that. I'll I'll come on here and just cry and apologize. I promise. Be the first time it ever happened. (laughs) (laughs) Not cry. I cry all the time. Uh, (laughs) Mike, is there anybody in the 19 to 11 range that you really want to talk about? Oh, I'm going to talk about most of them. I really like uh, Carter Jensen still, still on that. Javier Vaz, and, and I guess we can continue to toot that horn. Javier Vaz is so intriguing to me. He's so, he looks like an obvious 
major leaguer. It looks like, oh, it's just a matter of time for this guy. Can he keep doing that? Can he keep taking fantastic plate appearances and walking and driving the ball, you know, hitting a billion line drives? And if he can, he's going to be a hell of a major league baseball player. Um, and to get him where the Royals did, it seems almost ridiculous now after we've seen what he's done, because he did it in college too. Just nobody bought into him because he's small and he does not hit the ball over the fence. And so, but if he can, boy, if he can come in and do what he's done so far, he's, he's a lock and he'll play a good center field too. Right. Now the reason people didn't buy into him are the reason he has sort of a cap on his ceiling, which is that he doesn't hit the ball hard enough to have legit major league power. And as a result, he'll never be, you know, Cody Bellinger in center field or, you know, name, name a second baseman who hits with serious power. Jeff Kent is, is the one that comes to my mind right now. Uh, he'll Aaron never be Boone. somebody who is Aaron Boone. <laughs> Remember how many roids he was doing? Uh, he played second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, he'll never, he'll have a ceiling a little bit on, on that uh, potential offensively. Now, that doesn't matter. He'll still be a valuable major league baseball player. Unless he develops that power, he's not going to really be an all-star caliber guy. And it'll be a question as to whether or not he can be an everyday major league player, but he is, you're right, like a lock to be a major league player. Uh, and so that's really great to see a guy like that in their system. Uh, I'm going to move on to the top 10. Cause we're going to, this episode is going to be so long right now. Um, I, the top 10 for the Royals, I get the pleasure of reading for you. Uh, at number 10, we have David Sandlin, a right-handed starting pitching prospect. He pitched in low A and high A last year. Guy out of Oklahoma who we took, I think, in the 11th round and gave a little bit of extra money to. A good fastball that even improved upon uh, his pro debut. Command improved in his pro debut. A major league caliber slider right now. Big time strikeout numbers from him. He got hurt after he went up to uh, high A. So he only pitched about 67-ish innings last year. But a guy with a ton of potential in there. Hoping he'll go back to, I think, uh, high A next year, and we'll see what he can do. But another one of those guys who the Royals have produced who is getting legit strikeout numbers and looks like the command is improving as he's in the minor league level or as he's made his pro debut and in the minor league level. So that's great to see. Uh, at number nine, another uh, another pitcher, a guy who's a real strike thrower in Chandler Champlain, 23-year-old starting pitching project or prospect, pitched in high A and double A and had a bunch of success last year. A big-bodied strike thrower, good fastball slider combo. Uh, he, he'll miss. Well, the question is, will he miss enough bats in the high minors and major league baseball, or is he going to sort of have a ceiling of back end starter, fringy major leaguer because he can't miss enough bats? Right. Uh, if he's going to limit walks, he'll always give himself a chance. If he keeps limiting the walks, he'll always give himself a chance to pitch in major league baseball. But the question will be, can he find a pitch that will help him miss enough bats? At number eight, I put the Royals 2023 first round pick, Blake Mitchell, 19-year-old catcher, played in the Complex League last year. He's a left-handed hitter. Um, we talked about this on our draft show last year. A ton of potential in Blake Mitchell, but the profile of a high school catcher, not great in the first round. He did not have tremendous success in the Complex League, though he does did show the ability to take a walk. He did show a selectiveness at the plate. He needs to swing... Uh, at more quality pitches and make more contact because he struck out way too much. 
but hopefully he gets a chance to improve that offense next year. The reports on his catching were pretty good, which is good to see. Uh, it's always dicey on a high school catcher, and it's always dicey to see if those reports will ring true as he moves forward. But I look forward to seeing him in Columbia this year. I, I'll be watching a lot of Columbia games to see what those at-bats look like. At number seven, we have Nick Lofton, 24-year-old utility player. He was in AAA and the major leagues last year, a right-handed hitter. Improved his power in 2023. He's a low strikeout, low walk guy, so he doesn't strike out or walk very much, which means he lives on batted ball outcomes. And that can always be a little dicey, can always be a little streaky. Uh, he had good major league numbers overall last year, but a lot of that was on a just batted ball success, balls falling his expected batting average and expected slugging were pretty low. We'll see if he ends up making the major league team out of spring training. The odds are a little long on that, but maybe he gets some major league time this year and we'll see what he can do. At number six is the Royals prospect darling of the moment. The jewel. This guy has gotten so much heat. He's gotten so much heat over the last month or so. no one's seen and him his play. His name is everywhere, right? Because <laughs> no one's seen him play and because he had amazing numbers in the DSL last year, right? Uh, and the few people who have seen him play have raved about him. And so... Uh, that guy's name is Ramon Ramirez. He's an 18-year-old catcher who played in the DSL last year. Right-handed hitter. Big potential. Still a long way to go. The thing that people love is he takes a really good plate appearance, and he has serious, legit power as a catcher. And if you're a catcher and you can hit for power, people are going to love you. And so we'll see what Ramon Ramirez looks like. Should come stateside this year, and we'll get a chance to look and see uh, what he looks like uh, over here. At number five is 2022 first-round pick Gavin Cross, 22-year-old right fielder. He played in high A and double A last year, a left-handed hitter. He had a horrific 2023, very, very bad. But he still has big power in his bat, great ex exit velocities. He just needs to find consistency putting the ball in play. Like, his strikeout numbers weren't horrible. They were not good, but they weren't horrible. He needs to lower those a little bit. But even when he was putting the ball in play, they weren't falling for hits. He wasn't getting a consistent line drive rate. He wasn't getting anything that was really helping him, you know, get a good enough batting average seriously to be a serious prospect. And so we'll see what he's still got. But the potential still all in there for Gavin Cross. Number four, we have Blake Walters, 19-year-old starting pitching prospect. He was drafted in 2023 but didn't pitch at all. He's the guy who their underslot move for Blake Mitchell was really done for, and there have been great reports on how Blake Walters has looked. He's a big, athletic, right-handed pitcher, flamethrower. There's reports that he's running his fastball up to 98 miles an hour. A good slider from him, a guy who's uh, athletic and needs to develop more and more, but a lot of potential and a lot of... Uh, uh, hype around Blake Walters. I'm very excited to see him pitch. At number three is my boy, my favorite prospect, my baby, <laughs> Tyler Gentry, 24-year-old outfielder, right fielder. He's in AAA, spent, spent the whole year in AAA last year, a right-handed hitter, slumped big time to start 2023, but the guy takes a great plate appearance, walks quite a bit, limits strikeouts. He just needs to loft the ball more to tap into that power, and he is ready to go. Uh, we'll see. He should get major league time this year, honestly, at some point, but we'll see if, uh, if that ends up happening at number two, we have Mason Barnett, a 22 year old right-handed pitcher spent time in high A and double A last year, man. He has four MLB average or better pitches, a good curveball. came on last year and really showed us that he could command the baseball. And that was his big issue coming into the draft. He walked way too many people. He had no command. He showed that he can command the baseball a little bit last year. Needs to continue to work on that and walk fewer guys, but that guy has some serious potential. And I know some people disagree, but I think mid-rotation starter could be his ceiling if he can find a way to keep those pitches consistent and keep that command consistent. 
And then our number one prospect for the Royals Weekly Top 30. Mike, give me some sort of something. Give me something jazzy to introduce this thing. We are the dorkiest people ever. It's Frank Mazzucato. Frank Mazzucato is our number one overall Royals Frankie boy. If you don't know him, he's a 20-year-old left-handed starting pitching prospect. He pitched in low A and high A last year. The the reason we put Mazzucato number one is the projectability, right? He is getting a lot of high A hitters out, striking out a lot of high A hitters, I should say. He's also walking a ton of high A hitters, but he's striking out a lot of high A hitters right now with a tall projectable body and a fastball that sits in the low 90s. What does that mean? That means he's missing bats with all his other pitches and maybe even his fastball sometimes. And if he adds velocity and finds command, you're talking about a guy with legit front end potential. Frank Mazzucato could be an ace. He could never reach Major League Baseball, but he could be an ace. And at 20 years old, you have to give the credit and the benefit of the doubt to the guy with the most potential. And so tall, projectable body, you got to think he's going to try and add velocity this offseason. You got to think he's going to try and add velocity constantly and work on that command. And honestly, he took a big step forward in 2023. He pitched pretty well in low A. If he takes another step forward in 2024, you're talking about a guy who is going to get a lot of buzz among national uh, prospect writers as well. So that is our top t- 10. Mike, what are your thoughts on that group of, of pitchers? Or, sorry, um, players. Well, There's some position players. Well, I was actually going to talk more about the pitchers anyway. So Blake Walters is a guy that I'm very intrigued by. His To me, his secondary stuff is still very raw as far as command of that. And, and that's to be expected for a 19-year-old but it's extremely inconsistent in the locating that secondary stuff. But also every once in a while he throws one and you go, Oop, that's a major league pitch. And so it's, it's that, but I'm excited to see him uh, if anywhere, just, I mean, I'm sure he'll be in the complex, start in the complex and then probably move to, hopefully we get to see him in a ball at some point this year. Um, you know, Blake Mitchell, we've talked a lot about Blake Mitchell. The other thing that gets me about Blake Mitchell the reports are that his catching is good and that's, that's fantastic. But Blake Mitchell is not a great athlete. He's, he's a kind of slow, you know, he's not, not going to tear it up on the base path or anything like that. So that worries me a little bit about him. Excited to see Ramon Ramirez. Honestly, I was never a Gavin cross guy and I'm still not necessarily, but I'm excited to see what changes are there for him because coming out, I, when they drafted him, I really thought, well, at least here's a guy who's, likely to reach major league baseball because he's a pretty decent athlete in the outfield and he makes contact hard. Now it wasn't home run contact because the loft wasn't there, but I thought, well, that'll get him to major league baseball. Now I'm like, eh, I don't know. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, those are probably the guys I'm most excited about Tyler Gentry. They protected on the 40 man. So you got to think they got a plan for him somewhere, or at least they like him for depth. So we'll see. Yeah, it, I, I got a big question. Who's going to catch for Columbia, Blake Mitchell or Ramon Ramirez? That's oh, that's great my question. question, right? Like, great question. I know nothing. And I know about it'll Ramon be both Ramirez of them. or his catching ability. Um, so what'll happen is one of them will DH and one of them will catch. Like they'll switch off and on. I guarantee that's what happens because you know it, that seems like it makes the most sense. But yeah, you're right. That is Blake Mitchell. Blake Mitchell is an interesting athlete. He is not a, a dude. His athleticism means he's only going to play catcher or like first base, probably not the outfield. He'll be a bad outfielder if he is one. Um, but he does have decent athleticism for what a catcher is asked to do. He has like short burst quickness to move around the plate, which is good. 
That's what you want as a catcher. The problem is he can't actually run very well. And so, you know, Salvador Perez is actually very similar in this respect. He is a big man, Salvador Perez, but he moves surprisingly well around the plate. He's agile and he is quick around the plate. We've seen it before. A lot of catchers have that. So it will help him catching, but if he needs to move off catcher, his athleticism is not going to do him any favors. Let's just say that. I'm really excited to watch Blake Walters too. I think he goes to low A. I think he might spend some time in the complex league, but I think he'll move pretty quickly to low A because his stuff is just that good, I think. And so we're very excited to see him. Very excited for my boy Tyler Gentry. Very excited for Ramon Ramirez as well. So I think there's a lot of talent, uh, potential upside in this top 10, but we'll see uh, as we move into 2024. Mike, what stands out to you as you look at our top 30? What stands out to you looking at it as a whole? Well, to me, and I already said this, and I don't mean to be Debbie Downer here, but it seems to lack talent to me. Boo! <laughs> and it seems Boo. to lack a real direction. Now, here's it, the thing to me when I look at this this list of players is I wonder how much will it change over the next couple of years? Because you remember that there's a, only a smattering of guys that this front front office selected or traded for. Okay, most of these guys are left over from the Dayton Moore era. Okay. And so my thinking is when I say it lacks talent and it lacks direction, well, in two or three years, will we be able to look at our top 30 list and go, okay, these pitchers in here, they were all picked for a reason. And we know why they were picked. And we understand what the Royals minor league pitching system is trying to do. Same thing on the hitting side. Like, are we focused? We're going to look at this and say, Hey, these guys are focusing on these things as an organization when it comes to their pitchers. And they're focusing on these things as an organization when it comes to their hitters. That's really my goal moving forward in the next couple of years is one. Yes. The talent to increase, because I think we we've swung and missed too much on especially high picks. And then the other thing I want to see a coherent plan when we're drafting, signing and trading for minor league talent. Yeah, I think a lot of the way that this top 30 is perceived hinges on a f- only a few guys, right? So I think those t- the two biggest ones are Blake Mitchell and Gavin Cross, right? If those guys find a way to turn around their prospect status this year, if Blake Mitchell comes out and destroys Columbia, if Gavin Cross goes and destroys Quad Cities and then moves to Double A, if those two things happen, this per- this system looks a lot different to people, right? Especially if you add things like Blake Walters looks like he's you know, a legit pitching prospect. And and some of these other guys continue to progress like they have. If that happens, the system looks a lot different. And so a few guys, especially the ones who were drafted at the top, are really holding back this system because they haven't shown that they have the type of potential that it looked like they had when they were drafted, right? And so if Gavin Cross does that, if Blake, Blake Mitchell does that, the system will start to look a lot better. But a lot of it hinges on their performance. And the question is, can they go out and reestablish some of that prospect value for themselves and for the system as a whole. Royals Weekly is brought to you by Knapp Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? Securing the last pig in a blanket before our cousin gets his filthy hands on it? No. I saw him sneeze right into that hand one minute before grabbing it. That is not a lie. (laughs) Okay. Securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family, and Knapp Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big faceless corporation we're talking about here. Knapp Family Wealth is run by J.C. Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial futures for 20 years. 
He can help you with retirement planning so you don't have to work until you're dead. Everybody loves that. Education planning so your kids learn to read good. Investment management so you get all that money from out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because trust me, you don't. Nap, check out Nap Family Wealth at napfamilywealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P familywealth.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA slash SIPC. Since this episode is focused entirely on the farm system, we're going to devote the spotlight segment to looking more closely at pitching and hitting prospects. I want to start with the pitching because going into 2023, we were adamant that the pitching player development had to improve. That was the big thing we were talking about. The Royals made some changes on that front before the 2023 season, and it looks like it paid dividends. A November post from Baseball America ranked Royals pitching prospects 10th in their stat cast pitching rankings, and a number of pitching prospects made large large strides in 2023. Mike, where do you think this pitching player development is compared to before the 2023 season? Well, I think that it's it's certainly better. And I think that that is because they have a strategy and they're working on executing that strategy. But the odd thing is what I just mentioned there. They're implementing a strategy with mostly players that they did not choose. And so it's still early to me. You know, if they continue with the strategy and they're continuing, here's how it kind of works. You're going to put that strategy in place and you're going to execute it. For some guys, they're going to be able to pick it up and they're going to run with it. For others, they're not. And they're going to kind of get kicked out as time goes. They're going to get traded away. They're going to fizzle out as, as players altogether, whatever. And then you start, you continue to bring in your guys and the guys that you feel fit that strategy best. And over time, we should see continued improvement. So yes, this is a positive. It's a step in the right direction, but I want to see those steps continue. I don't want to get derailed somewhere else. So next year at this same time, I want to be talking about how they've taken another step forward in that pitching development. Yeah. And what's interesting about what they've done so far is that none of the guys who are really the vanguard of what looks like the evidence that this player development has changed represent high end draft capital. So guys like Mason Barnett, David Sandlin, Chandler Champlain was not drafted by the Royals, but he was the third guy in the, in the Andrew Benintendi trade. Uh, Steven Zoback, a lot of these guys weren't taken later or were taken later in the draft. And yet they're looking like legit prospects. They're looking like they're doing what you said. Some guys are going to pick it up and run with it. They're picking it up and running with the new attitude towards player development, the new disposition and approach towards player development from this pitching coaching staff and this pitching coordinators and all that sort of thing. They're running with it and they're not even dudes who were drafted that high this year. The Royals took Blake Walters and Hero Wyatt in the second and third round. I think, I think it was second and third or second and like, compensatory second round or something like that. And so with their second and third pick, they took Walters and Wyatt and they overpaid each, I think a little bit Walters a lot. And then Wyatt a little bit to get those guys. They represent legitimate draft capital. They represent guys who should have high end ceiling for pitching prospects. And so it'll be interesting to see what the player development does with them. What do they look like as they move through low A or really probably complex league low A and then maybe high A next year or the year after that, right? And so you're right. I think it's very interesting to note that it will get even better, but it does look like it it looks drastically different than in years past. Are there anything you think this pitching player development staff is doing that led to the improvement that we've seen uh, in stuff and in command from these guys? I think certainly the focus on pitch data has heavily impacted that and and just the use in data in general. But, you know, getting guys their information on their pitches 
and then developing plans on how to improve those pitches or sometimes to scrap those pitches and, and focus on something else. I think that's huge. The other thing I think that you and I talked a lot about in during previous regime is that you are starting to see signs for holding pitchers accountable to more than just game results, right? And what I mean by that is you may go out and dominate double A pitching, but if we don't like the pitch data that we're getting on you and we know that's not going to effectively get out AAA or major league pitchers, they're not just going to move you up because you had a stretch of six or seven starts in double A that were effective because you leaned on your one pitch that's really good. Um, and, and I think we're starting to see indications that that's the case. I mean, take a look at a guy like Drew Parrish. How long would Drew Parrish have languished as a AAA pitcher in the Royals system before this regime? A long time. He's gone. He's gone. They said, you're not going to cut. The things you're doing aren't going to cut at major leagues. We don't need you around, right? And so, and that's nothing against Drew Parrish. Drew Parrish was a fine prospect and a good pitcher. But, you know, if they see something that is not what they're looking for as far as your development, they're not just going to move you along because you had good game results. And I think that needs to be the case uh, continuing forward. I think Andrew Hoffman represents a great example of what you're talking about, right? Like Andrew Hoffman could do okay getting guys out at the high A and double A level. He did all right. Not great, but not terrible. He got to triple A and they were like, we're changing a lot of stuff about you, right? Like, we're going to change a bunch of stuff because we know what you're doing isn't going to work as you move up. Like your arsenal isn't good enough. And so we're going to make changes to make it better. And they had him change a lot, something mechanically, his vertical approach angle on his fastball is getting better. It was noticeable, even though the overall numbers aren't looking good for him. They know that what they're doing will have better results moving forward or has a better chance of working moving forward than what he was doing previously. And that's great. That's the sort of thing that you definitely need to see. And it's an emphasis on making arsenals better, making pitches better by using that pitch data, by having guys add pitches. Mazzucato added a slider last year. So, so, you know, these sorts of things are helping make these guys, will make them competitive as they move forward. They're not just saying, hey, Brady Singer, go out and throw two pitches and dominate minor league baseball. It's like, well, yeah, because they're, you know, really good. It's going to hurt him when he gets to the major leagues, though, right? Like, and so you're right. They're emphasizing this notion of like, we're going to take a modern pitching approach by working on your arsenal and command. I mean, they, they are obviously implementing what they're working on at the major league level. They're implementing in the minor leagues as well. They're, they're trying to have guys walk fewer people. Fewer walks is a, is a obvious emphasis of this major league or the minor league uh, pitching coaching staffs. And that's really great. And so you're seeing guys with profiles like Steven Zoback, like Chandler Champlain have success, right? They're guys who they're not going to strike out the world, but they're going to limit walks. And that's really helping them find success with multiple profiles. And that's really important. Um, Mike, which players do you particularly excited or sorry, which pitchers are you particularly excited to watch in 2023 from this top 30? Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Hero Wyatt does in his debut in uh, professional baseball. And then David Sandlin and his continued improvement. Uh, does the command continue to improve? And how does the fastball play? I expect him to go back to high A, but then does he does he perform well enough there with the fastball and the command uh, to move up to double A? If he does, I think David Sandlin's another guy that you could see in that top 10. Uh, well, I think he's already in their top 10, maybe number nine or something, but a guy that you could see as, as a legit rotation prospect uh, maybe in the next couple of years uh, moving forward. Yeah, I, I'm super excited to see Blake Walters uh, as well, along with Hero Wyatt. They're probably on roughly the same track. I, I am just 
looking at Walters, having seen some video of him pitch, having heard reports and things like that, I'm really excited for him. I think like I think there's a decent chance that national prospect writers are talking about Blake Walters midseason in 2024. And so keep an eye on him because the athleticism is there. The stuff looks great. If he can command the baseball, he looks like he's going to have some success. I'm excited to see Steven Zoback because he's a big question mark in some ways. Is he going to be a reliever? Is he going to be a starter? You know, you always wonder if the wheels are going to fall off guys who didn't have a ton of draft pedigree. Uh, but he looks like a guy who can really make it if he continues to be consistent as a starting pitcher. And he looks like a guy that's consistency, I think, is the word for Zoback. The fact that he has consistency and pitchability is allowing him to get some guys out. Will that continue uh, seeing as he only has probably average stuff? Uh, we'll see on that one. And then, of course, I'm, I'm interested to see Frank Mazzucato. Did he add any velocity this offseason? Can he improve that command? If he can, if he, if he added velocity and he improves the command, look out. He's going to just shoot up and just insanely uh, go nuclear. But he's still very, very young for a prospect. So a lot, a lot to like there, a lot of projectability. We do have to talk about the hitters as well. And so, Mike, uh, uh, let's talk about those. It was not nearly as exciting of a year for them in 2023. Uh, many top Royal hitting prospects struggled, uh, especially guys like Gavin Cross. Mike, who do you or do you have a theory as to why the hitters struggled as much as they did in 2023? I do. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of these players that are still in our system were drafted on sort of an antiquated way of thinking about why hitters are successful in major league baseball. And I think, I think therefore, you know, it's, they then struggle to make adjustments when a new hitting regime comes in and says, Hey, these are the things that you need to improve on. Well, you know, that was never my forte. That was never my thing. And so some of them, again, are going to struggle making those adjustments. I think as we move forward, we're seeing more and more that um, swing decision is a very important part of your success in major league baseball, your success in professional baseball. I mean, but specifically major league baseball. And then some guys who don't have that, we, we took a lot of those guys. Okay. We took Gavin cross and we took Caden Wallace and, we took players like that who were kind of swing first, ask questions later kind of guys. Not that Gavin Cross had, you know, didn't walk and stuff, but it's those swing decisions now that are coming back to bite them because, you know, you have to improve the quality of that decision making. You have to make sure that you're not swinging, even if they're in the zone, you're not swinging at pitches that are going to res- get bad outcomes. And we have too many guys that do that. And when, when you were, you know, when you had a regime in the old regime that was looking at, some of the wrong things, I think uh, you're going to end up with a lot of those guys. And now we're trying to recover a lot of those guys and it's not working for everybody. I think that's mostly right. I, it seems like they have very few guys who have what we would consider good approaches and also hit the ball hard enough to be impact bats moving forward. Right. So you look at a guy like Javier Vaz, he, he has good approach. He, he, he can limit strikeouts and, and take walks, but he doesn't hit the ball that hard. Right. And then you have a guy like Gavin cross who his approach isn't great. He's not swinging at the right pitches. He's not doing damage in the zone, like in the heart of the zone a lot. And it's like, yeah, he hits the ball super hard, major league quality exit velocities, but he doesn't have the approach. And so we can't, we're not getting a, like two guys. We're not getting on the same page there. Right. And, and what's interesting, you look at a system, well, let like me the ask you this question. System, let me ask you this question. Which one of those things is easier to improve? In my mind, it's easier to improve approach, right? And so, really, uh, I, know, think I think it's think... the other way. I think it's easier to teach somebody to to hit the ball hard, to build muscle, to to get those, well, you know, yeah. your um, 
swing velocity. But some, I, I think it's easier to improve those things and harder to teach them to swing at good pitches. Yeah, I, I get but that. Some guys have a cap on that, and and they are connected, so right? Much. Like, mm-hmm. and they are connected. So if you swing at better pitches, you're going to have better exit velocities. You're going to hit the ball harder if you're swinging more at pitches in the heart of the plate, right? So they are connected to some degree. But you look at a system like the Rays system, okay? What do the Rays do? They draft really athletic dudes who are going to be able to hit the ball hard, and then they teach them a world-class approach, right? And so that is the secret sauce to the Royals or the Rays hitting development is that they take dudes who mash and then they're like, we're going to teach you to be super patient at the plate. We're going to teach you to only swing at pitches inside the strike zone or inside the uh, the heart pitches you can do damage on. Right. And so I think that that is an approach that could work. Right. But whether you're doing it one way or the other, whether you're drafting guys with approach and making them hit the ball harder or drafting the guys who can hit the ball hard and giving the approach, you have to know what you can do well. You have to take individualized approaches with some of these guys and find a way to make them better at whatever they got to do. They're just not there right now. Hopefully that gets better in 2024. Mike, what hitters are you particularly excited to look at and see if they're getting better with approach or hitting the ball harder? Well, two, two guys we've already talked about in Carter Jensen and Javier Vaz. Javier Vaz is simple. I just want to see if he can keep doing what he's been doing because it's been very impressive to this point. Carter Jensen is, I, you just he's a guy who, if the reports are accurate and he's, his catching is above average, the amount that he walks, if he can just turn some of those strikeouts into home runs or at least hard hit balls, he, the sky is the limit for him. And so I'm really pulling for Carter Jensen. Yes, of course, he's from the area, so I pull for him for that anyway. But there's there's something to unlock there. And if you do, I feel like he's a great player just waiting to come out. Yeah, a lot of potential in those hard hit balls. He hits the ball insanely hard. And the approach is there in a weird way. A little bit passive, a little bit like Nick Prado. Very, he might need to be more aggressive. Very <laughs> passive at the plate. Might need to swing a little bit yeah. more. Uh, and so, and, and his problem may also just be plate coverage related. And so does he have trouble on the edges of the strike zone in the shadow when he makes contact? Is it, is it not good enough contact with those types of pitches? We'll see as, as moving forward, if he, if he can work on some of that, uh, I'm talking, I'm, I'm looking at Gavin Cross and Blake Mitchell, obviously, because so much of the system hinges on whether or not those two recover their prospect, uh, value cross is a lot like Jensen, right? Like there it's in there. If he finds a way to improve the approach, if he finds a way to create line drives from his swing, if he finds a way to do better in the shadow of the plate, the sky's the limit for him. He could be a middle of the order bat. Who's a really good defender in the outfield. But if he, you know, he's got to find a way to produce more consistently offensively. Blake Mitchell's the same way. Potential middle of the order bat. Got to find a way to do it with his approach. Got to swing and make more contact and that sort of thing. Austin Charles is the other one I'm looking at, and he's sort of a bellwether of a lot of things, right? Like if he can, he, he strikes out a little bit too much. He doesn't walk as much as you'd like. He has swing mechanic issues. He's a bellwether for a lot of the things you would want the Royals hitting development to be able to do. You would want them to be able to fix a guy's swing mechanics. You would want them to be able to work on his approach. You would want them to be able to help him um, limit strikeouts and improve walks and that sort of thing. So he's sort of a bellwether and I'm sort of watching him as like a test case for their hitting development, especially at at low A where he'll probably go back and and start uh, 2024. So I'm very interested in all three of those guys. I think it's a lot of potential in Cross, Mitchell and Charles. Royals Weekly is brought to you by Eric Oksher of West USA Realty. Phoenix has all of our favorite things, year-round golf, 
year-round baseball, and Eric Oksher of West USA Realty. Whether you want to buy your dream retirement home or just stay a while and catch spring training, Eric can help you find the perfect house for you. We've known him for 30 years and trust him far more than we even trust each other. I'm pretty sure you tried to sell me to a traveling circus once, and I can juggle. I did, but, you know, they're, they, you know, they, they weren't offering much. <laughs> uh, he does long-term, Eric does long-term <laughs> rentals and for the snowbird crowd and home sales and purchases for those who want to stay a while longer. Are you a baseball player or parent who needs a place in Phoenix, in the Phoenix area? Eric will find you the perfect spot fast. You want to spend your days shanking golf balls into the great beyond? Eric knows the golf scene like Mike knows the, his way around a bacon, egg, and cheese. The the secret is I'm always bacon, egg, and cheesing. Mm-hmm. So I've always got one yeah. somewhere on me. Ugh. Like the Hulk. Find Eric on Instagram <laughs> if you can figure out how to spell his name. It's E-R-I-C-K-A-U-X-I-E-R. Or just shoot him a text at 480-383-9745. That's 480-383-9745. Even if you're just curious about what he can do for you, he's 100% no pressure, one of the best people we know, and frankly, he's got a voice of an angel. We'll wrap up our discussion of the Royals farm system with some New Year's resolutions. These are our resolutions for individual players, and they're related to things that we'd love to see from those players in 2024. We're each going to do three resolutions, one for one, so we'll have six total. Uh, Mike, kick us off with the first New Year's resolution that you have for for a Royals prospect. My first resolution is that Carter Jensen turns some of those strikeouts into home runs. I love that. It's like, just, just, just hit the home run. Stop striking out and just hit home runs. Just hit more home runs, man. It's so it's, simple. Come Stop on, Carter. It's runs. not that hard. Just hit home runs instead of strikeouts. Uh, you sound you sound so much like the guy sitting behind me at every Royals game. Honestly, uh, oh, that's great. Okay, my first resolution comes for Tyler Gentry, and I resolve for him to loft the ball more. The the sky's the limit for well, he he's a four WAR player if he lofts the ball a little bit more, which is great. You know, he could he could be that level of good. Mike, round two, who's your second New Year's resolution? My second resolution is that Ramon Ramirez destroys professional baseball in the United States. Wouldn't that be so exciting to hear, to see, to see? Oh, oh, Uh, let me imagine, let me give you a fantasy scenario, Royals fans. We have a catching uh, Blake Mitchell and Ramon Ramirez at low A, and both of them are just destroying low A. What if, what if that happens? Wouldn't that be hilarious and fun? No. Oh, speaking of, my, my next resolution is Blake Mitchell. <laughs> Round two, uh, my resolution is Blake Mitchell uh, makes more contact. I thought you were having a stroke. <laughs> Blake Mitchell makes more contact. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I would love for Blake Mitchell to make some more contact, show us he can be a legitimate hitting prospect. Ramon Ramirez, Blake Mitchell catching in, in Columbia. Can't wait to see it. Should be a really exciting time. Mike, round three, real quick, third resolution. What are you going for? Uh, Carson Rockefort starts getting more loft, but keeps the approach that he already has therefore resulting in more extra base hits. I'm excited about Carson Rockefort. I didn't talk about it a ton uh, today, but we haven't had a legit offensive center field prospect in quite a while. And so uh, I think he can be that if he can resolve to get more loft on the ball. Yeah, that'd be really cool. He is a legit center fielder and a guy who has that offensive potential. My third resolution is for my man, Samad, the God Taylor. I just resolve that he swings less swing less. Right. Uh, we, we've been saying that with some guys swing less. It is. He is a dude who hits the ball hard enough, enough, hard enough, not super hard, but hard enough. Athletic can do a lot of things. Well, he just needs to swing less because he strikes out too much right now. He needs to command the center of the zone, force pitchers to throw him balls in the strike zone. I think he can do it. 
hopefully he makes that adjustment this offseason. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just About Outside segment where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Somehow we have gone insanely long, probably because we had to read a big list of 30 players. Mike, really quickly, what has been going on in the baseball for the last month, I guess, for you? Because uh, it's been a month since we did this. What's up? Well, I thought I was going to do Dots pretzels, but then I thought, I think I've already done those maybe. If, if, if you haven't tried Dots pretzels, honey mustard pretzels, they are so good. They have sugar, cinnamon ones too yeah. that are also very good. But I'm not going to do that one because something happened to me today and made me think about something. So today I was driving uh, home from the grocery store and I was at a stoplight. I was the first car there. There was next to me. There was another car in the same, another turn lane. We were both going left. We were both at a red light. We heard uh, sirens from a fire truck. Sirens go off. There was a guy in the lane next to the guy next to me who was also the first one at the light. Fire truck's coming. Our lights all turn green at the same time. We, me and the car next to me stay there. The car on the, in the far lane starts driving. Well, there's a fire truck coming and is going to hit that person if, he, if they stay in their lane. This person is on their phone. They're not paying attention to what they're supposed to be doing. And they get stuck out in this median <laughs> with a fire truck narrowly missing them while its sirens are on. <laughs> okay. And I honked at them when they took off to let them know you're about to get hit by a fire truck. Okay. And it got me thinking because it took a long time. For, there was actually two fire trucks. It took kind of a long time for them to get through the intersection. By that time, our light had turned red again. So all of us were stuck there except for the idiot that did the wrong thing. Okay. And he got to go. And it made me think like sometimes doing the wrong thing is beneficial, right? But what you have to do is in my mind, I don't believe in fate or anything, but I have to sit back and I have to believe that that guy, something, there's going to be something that happens in his life where he gets something for doing that. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's the only way that I can choose to justify not doing the wrong thing. It's not the only reason. There's other reasons. Just be a good person. That's that's enough. But it, I have to, in my mind, think that there are consequences for people who do the wrong thing but get good outcomes. And that's what I tell myself all the time so that, one, I don't get angry about it, and two... I can go on living and say, I'm not going to do the wrong thing, even when I know it could get me a better outcome. And so that's my goal or that's my hope for us in a new year is when you see somebody who's getting, you know, something because they're making a bad choice, don't think of it as, oh man, they're getting away with something. Think of it as theirs is coming down the road. It, my, my thinking is like always, I think you're right. I think like oftentimes those people do end up getting something bad because their process is bad, right? Like yeah. that person's process is bad. Next time they're going to get hit. They're going to get hit by the fire like, truck. It's going to happen, <laughs> right? Like, right. Yeah. Their process is bad, right? And so, you know, I, a lot of times they will. But sometimes we'll see people who are like really wealthy or really, you know, and, and then the, the, who've done like horrible, horrible things. And that looks like they have a lot, right. It looks like they've won't, you know, gotten a lot. The thing I remember about those people is that they have to live with themselves, right? Like mm -hmm. they have to live with the, those people are like rarely happy, right? Like they have to live with the horror of being a horrible person, which I could not live with. Right. Like, And so they know, they know what they did to get there. Like they know, like, you know, whoever Jeff Bezos knows that he, you know, stomps on where the hearts of workers, right? Like he knows that he, he destroys the environment. All these people know these things, right? Like it's not like, you know, they, they understand what it took to get to the top. Some of them are comfortable with that and that's fine, but they have to have moments where they're like, wait, 
am I just like a net negative on the world? And it's like, yeah, probably. Like, and so, yeah, I, I, I sleep better at night knowing that. that that's nice. Maybe they, yeah, maybe that's a good approach to it as well. Um, but yeah, also eat Dots pretzels. Also, Dots pretzels. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> oh, changed my life. Fantastic. Honey, honey mustard. Oh, man. So good. Uh, uh, I'm talking about like the feeling that I have now that it's, it's January 1st. So we're literally recording this on New Year's Day. Um, and I was talking to my partner earlier. We were folding some laundry. And I was like, you know what? New Year feels like I got a good handle on things. And she's like, I feel like that's just a feeling everybody has to the New Year. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. Like, this is probably a feeling that we all have that it feels like we have a good handle on things. And I feel like the contest of the New Year is to f- see how long you can go while still feeling like you have a good handle on things, right? Like, so let me just be a, the first one to encourage you in your New Year. You can have a handle on things all the way for the rest of this year. Okay. I'm going to have a handle on things. You're going to have a handle on things. We're all going to have a handle on things for the rest of this year because we're listening to Royals weekly because we're watching the Royals because we're having a good time. You got this. We got this. We all got this. That's all I have for this week. That's all we have for this week. Please tune back in. I don't know when our next episode is going to be lately. I've just been like randomly deciding to to have episodes Uh, at the very least. We will come back in one month with another episode until then be good to each other and go Royals. (laughs) 